to give us insight on some very interesting and trending topics today on Bidenomics and the border crisis. We're really fortunate to have Dr. Merrill Matthews, a Ph.D., a resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation, a research-based uh, public policy think tank. Uh, Dr. Matthews is a health policy expert and opinion contributor at The Hill, and he also serves on the Texas Advisory Committee of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Dr. Matthews, welcome back to On the Point. Well, thank you for having me, Greg. We go to your website. You have a series of, uh, of uh, podcasts you produce. They're very interesting. Our listeners might want to take a look at that. Uh, recently, Dr. Matthews, uh, you wrote a, a couple of interesting articles, um, and one had to do with Bidenomics. And your lead sentence from the op-ed in The Hill said this, quote, economists have long recognized a phenomena known as the wealth effect. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you about that article, but maybe just basically explain to us what the wealth effect is. Oh, the wealth effect is something I suspect almost all your listeners will recognize. When the economy's doing well, when the stock market is growing up, when inflation's low and people feel secure in their jobs, home values are going up, they just feel better about the economy. They feel like they have some additional money, and say so they go out and they make some additional purchases. They may travel more. They may uh, buy a new car or a new dishwasher. They just feel a little wealthier when those things are going going up. When they aren't going up, when the stock market is struggling, when uh, businesses are laying people off or there's concern about I'm going to be able to keep my job, uh, inflation is high, I don't feel as wealthy as I did. And this is people up and down the wealth spectrum. Uh, and so I, I may just feel, let's let's put off buying that new car. Let's, let's go to grandma's for a vacation rather than getting on a plane and traveling somewhere. And they don't spend as much money. And that's called the reverse wealth effect. And so wealth effect has been around for a long time, and it's just when people feel good about the economy and things are looking positive, they tend to be willing to spend more, and that feeds into the wealth effect by in, uh, creating even more wealth out there and encouraging people to do even more. Well, you point out in your article uh, about uh, what the president is going around and talking about, quote, quote, Bidenomics, and you note that uh, Bidenomics has brought the wealth effect to a screeching halt. Uh, which is also attributable, as you note, to President Biden's poll numbers are so low. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I didn't realize this until I looked at it, but the stock market is a, just the stock market is a major component of the wealth effect. And when I looked back at Donald Trump's time when he was from, when he was inaugurated to when he left the, uh, the White House, the stock market was just about 20,000 when he came in the stock, uh, to the White House. When he left, it was nearly 30,000, roughly a 50% increase. <laughs> in the stock market in his four years. By contrast, when Biden came in, it uh, it was, you know, when Donald Trump left, it was about 30,000. Uh, last Friday, it was 33,507. It was, there was about a, tw a, a 2,500 point increase in Biden's three and a half years so far, but it really, it, it actually peaked around uh, April of 2021, and has, it, there's been some peaks and valleys in there, but it's essentially been the 
same for the last two and a half years. So it, there's not really been much of an increase in the stock market at all. And as, if people are watching it, it's still in gyrations. It goes up one day, it goes down the next day, it goes up the next day. And that just sort of, it, for people, especially people with money in the market, and that's actually over 60% of the population has either invested in the stock market or they have uh, an IRA or 401k or something that has uh, money in there that invests in the stock market. When that when that market isn't doing well or it's going down, people feel like, I just don't have the money and they may not spend as much. You know, you did a great job in an article uh, making some interesting points that you just, you made uh, the point, you just stated the point you made in the article which you point out that the Gallup data reveals 61% of Americans reporting owning stock, including both direct investing or through retirement accounts, mm -hmm. such as a 401k. And that's a great point because uh, if you listen to a lot of the, the Democrats on the left, it, it sounds like it's only the quote, quote, rich people owning securities. That's right, and and it turns it's a fairly small percentage that actually invest in the stock market. But but uh, the uh, companies have changed from the old defined benefit uh, pension plans to defined contributions, where most workers have some type of four hundred one k account there that and that money is generally invested in the stock market in some way or the other so uh it's it, when they go and they look at that and they see their accounts rising they just feel like they're doing better and they feel wealthier and they feel a little more positive about spending money so it has a major impact out there and what about uh the impact of inflation and uh how the public reacts to that and the wealth effect Oh, absolutely, yes. The, the inflation thing, when, pe when you're having to spend more, you're going to the grocery store and you're spending 25 or 30 percent more for something that you bought a year or two ago, uh, you just feel like you don't, your money's not going as far and you're not sure how this inflation is going to play out. So people tend to be a little more reluctant to spend. If they're going to the grocery store, they may buy the store brands as opposed to brand names or cut back and go to a cheaper product than uh, a, a chicken as opposed to beef or something of that nature. So they just make those kinds of changes, but again, it has a it has a downward effect, a souring effect on people's uh, just aspect of the economy, and that's showing up in the poll numbers. When you look at uh, people's uh, position on how Biden is doing on the economy, it just came out this this past week that for the uh, for the first time in a while, Republicans are really uh, the the public really favors Republicans with regard to the economy. Biden's numbers are so so low on the economy that in a normal election, that would just be a devastating aspect for any candidate. It may not be for him, but it would be in a normal election. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're decidedly negative on the, the right track, wrong track poll indicators uh, consistently show that, that the public says we're on the wrong track. Right, yeah, and with the economy, it's usually it's somewhere, depending on the poll, between 20 and 30 percent think that we were on the right track on the economy. That is really, really low, especially when you go back to the no, uh, to the notion it's the economy stupid. Uh, it, if that's going to be, if that ends up being the case, Biden's going to have a hard time in the election. And, of course, the economy stupid was the famous James Carville line yes. when uh, President Bill Clinton, Clinton challenged uh, then President Bush, and the economy uh, really wasn't that bad, but they made a point of it, and Clinton won. 
And that's been sort of a mantra ever since. Now, things may change because the border policies and other things you set the economy aside. Some of the things that Biden is in, uh, engaged in with the border policies and the, the massive influx of immigrants into the country, uh, is all, he, he's even lower on immigration than he is on the economy, if you can believe that. <laughs> Well, that's 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 a major headline issue, and it's interesting. Um, you're right there in Texas, so uh, yes. you you have a ringside seat, so to speak, to what's going on. But it's interesting; it, it, it didn't become a big issue with the Democrats until, uh, especially uh, New York and Chicago, uh, maybe San Diego. Some of the big Democratic cities uh, became overwhelmed, and uh, in effect, said they couldn't handle the situation. That's absolutely right. And, and I have to say, I have to give my, my governor, uh, Greg Abbott credit. He, it was a genius plan to start putting people on bus, buses and send them to New York, Washington DC. Remember he let them out right there in front of, of, uh, Kamala Harris's house, um, uh, to Chicago. And, uh, I think some are going right now to Denver and then, uh, other cities in California and letting them off. And, uh, that has created a real crisis. And now you have Democrats hollering at the White House that something has to be done, and that now that that's happening, then the media is finally beginning to cover this, and the, and it's it's a good bit over the media that it hasn't been. Uh, and today we have news out that uh, Mexico is even now providing buses for immigrants coming into the southern tip of Mexico as they go and just help them traveling up to the northern border to the United States so that they can get out. And in another article, just leading into that, you did talk about. Uh, in an op-ed about uh, the border, the border situation, and you pointed out that most people that are, who are entering the United States illegally are likely just looking for a better life. But you also talked about um, people entering the United States who are on the terrorist watch list. Uh, what about that? Right, yes. When you open the doors, you let good people in, but you let bad people in also. And so the Customs and Border Protection has been tracking the numbers of people, encounters uh, with people coming across the border who are on the terrorist watch list. And interestingly, and these numbers are available at, the, at, at CBP, uh, in the in the four years that Donald Trump was president, they tr- they had 14 people, they caught 14 people on the terrorist, terrorist watch list. So far this year, uh, in Biden administration i mean, so far uh, you know it's been uh, it's been 268 so it the m- number went up to um uh, 16 in Biden's first year, 98 in his second year, 2022, and so far this year they've got found 154 people who were on the terrorist watch list, and we just we just finished the fiscal year a couple of days ago. So um, that's a huge increase in the number of people who are coming across who are on the terrorist watch list. And the point I'm trying to I try to make in there is Democrats need to be concerned about this because if some of these people who are not being who are invading border protection, they're sneaking into the country. If they end up, if there's a terrorist attack in which you have uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of property destroyed, hundreds or thousands of Americans killed because of a terrorist attack based upon somebody who came across the southern border, the public will demand answers, and Democrats are going to be dramatically hurt in that. And we can circle back to our earlier discussion that – because uh, Governor Abbott began busing uh, uh, illegal 
uh, entries into the United States to, to big cities, Chicago, New York, that highlighted the issue, and uh, maybe that will work toward a solution. It may. I, my my sense is that the uh, the immigration issue is so polarized and so broken right now. And for people who feel like they've opened the borders just in order to try to turn around and say, "Hey, we need to make all these people that we got millions and millions of people here now. We we need to make them legal and give them the vote." Uh, that has been a concern for some time, and I hear progressives in the Democratic Party saying that, and it will uh, it again polarize the country because. It looks like you're just trying to create a new constituency out there. Merrill Matthews, Ph.D., who is a resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation in Texas. The Institute for Policy is a research-based public policy think tank. Thank you for joining us today on The Point. Thank you for having me, Greg.